BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoy, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs in a true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, the former boyfriend of Olivia Newton-John vanishes during an overnight fishing trip off of Los Angeles. Did he fake his death and start his life anew in Mexico? We'll review season two of the podcast Suicide from Spotify. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of the Piper Green series of cozy mysteries, Laura Bricker. Hello, Laura. Hello, Rebecca. I have to tell you, so Dead on Deadline and The Final Curtain are the top two selling books at Water Street Bookstore right now. Yeah. So they put all the books behind the counter where you check out mm-hmm. up on the wall each month, one through 10. The last copy of Dead on Deadline was up on that wall. And today I went in, I said, what happened? They said, we had to sell it. It was the last wow. one. Oh, is it they had to sell the dress off the mannequin? <laughs> it was awesome. Wow. Now time to kill some more trees. Time to get Woo. some more printed, Laura. That comes out of your pocket, right? When you get some more printed. I have them. I'm taking them, taking them into Alden with the kind eyes tomorrow. Good mm. on you, Alden with the kind eyes. What a what a fancy way to say that he's hot. Good for you. I mean, he's like 24. So. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, our resident doubting Thomas, author of the City Trilogy, host of the Strange Arrivals podcast, and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast, Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. So, Toby, why are we now taping our podcasts on Wednesday night? instead of Thursday night. It's because of you. What are you up to these days? I joined a soccer league that plays on Thursday nights. Mm. So you have graciously moved this <laughs> so I can go and get some exercise. Well, you know that it's really fucking up my book club situation. Everyone's very worried that I'm not going to make the next meeting because of this. I'll, we'll have to figure it out. Okay. That being said, can we come watch you play soccer some night? That's what I want to know. It'll be humiliating for me, but you can. <laughs> I heard you scored a bunch of goals. It's going to be humiliating for us. I don't know. I, I, it's, yeah, I, it's, I, nobody's going to nobody's going to win. You just told us during the break that you scored five goals last time. Yeah, Tobes. I wasn't really thinking we were going to be broadcasting this. I'm uh, so proud of you. I'm associated with a sports ball person. I'm telling everyone about their is, achievements. Is this one of those leagues where they don't have a goalie? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's it's. I, it's yeah. <laughs> Listen, I was just standing in Toby, front of a goal, if trying I to kick know a ball an athletic in. person who achieves, I brag about that achievement because it's not me. And I'm like, I know a person who can score a goal. Here's that guy. Yeah. You're that guy for me. I'm sorry. I, th- um, I bet that okay. other team, they're so mad at their goalie. They're like, <laughs> for Christ's sakes, Dan. He's a podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> That's the fifth time on him. He makes a podcast about UFOs. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's the guy with the weird it's, glasses. It's humiliating for everybody. He's not even a dog person. He's a dog person. You're letting him score on you like that. Oh, man. His coworkers are in a closet in their basement. I got to say one other thing about recording Wednesday nights when it's screwing up. It's screwing up our ability to go see the official Crime Writers on House Band. 
Film five. <gasps> yes. Oh no. With uh, drummer Henry Lavoy. That's true. Handsome drummer Henry Henry Lavoy. That's true. We, All of his gigs seem to be on Wednesdays. We are missing a gig because of you. They've got one on Friday. Which yes, we are missing a- because of our live These Are Their Stories show. But we actually are missing a Film 5 gig because of you, Toby. But that's okay. Right. Sacrifice is worth it. I'll be missing one probably because of you. <laughs> <laughs> or missing you because of Ed. I don't yeah, know which, yeah, which yeah, yeah. Is it right? There is a Film 5 gig coming up in November 30th that we can all go to, right? Ooh, I think when's so, yeah. that? Where is it? Uh, it's in the Stone Church, I believe. Ooh. We'll figure it out. Well, Toby, we are looking forward to seeing you on the pitch, as they say. And uh, I am always going to brag about your athletic achievements. And I'm sorry if it embarrassed you, but it's indoor. It's not a pitch. It's a room. I'm a proud soccer friend. Very proud. I can't be a soccer mom anymore. So I'm a proud soccer friend. All right. So, Kevin, what is coming up on next Monday's podcast? Obviously, this is Thursday's show. What are we going to be talking about? On Monday, we're going to be talking about the documentary on Hulu. It's called God Forbid. It's about Ooh. Jerry Falwell Jr. and the whole pool boy scandal at Liberty University. I've been looking forward to that one. That one is by my friend, documentarian Billy Corbin. Is it not? I don't know. It I didn't is. realize you had a friend who was a documentarian. Yes, he made Cocaine Cowboys. Oh, and I interviewed okay. him, and he's wonderful and smart, and I guess he made that, and people are talking about it nonstop, and I'm very excited to watch it. Well, I'll be the judge of that. All right, well, maybe it'll get a thumbs down. Sorry, Billy, in advance if it does, but I hear it's very good, so we'll find out. All right, well, I think we should just get right to the thing we're talking about. We've been talking about Toby's uh, sports achievements this uh, thus far. <laughs> so I think we should just go ahead and drop that first clip right now. Okay, Kevin? Yeah, do it. Let's get that done. Frank looks at his manifest, confirms that Patrick was on board, and then finds his fishing tackle and his bum bag in lost property. Inside the bag are Patrick's wallet, keys, and driving license. His car is found later, parked nearby. After breaking up with longtime girlfriend Olivia Newton-John, Patrick McDermott set sail on an overnight fishing trip in June of 2005. When he didn't get off the boat the next morning, officials presumed he fell overboard. But then the tabloid speculated whether McDermott had faked his own death. Could he have had a heart attack? Did he have a heart attack and he fell over? And we saw the boat. No, he didn't. You know, I don't I don't think you could fall off that boat. I, I do believe we all feel the same way. There's just there's no answered questions. There's no definite at all. Potential sightings of McDermott fueled the story. Journalists and private investigators scoured Mexico on tips he was living a new life. But were they reshaping the facts of an accident at sea for their own purposes, regardless of the cost to McDermott's loved ones? Did Patrick die at sea? Or did he disappear deliberately and begin a new life in sunny Mexico? We hope that by mapping everything out and evaluating the evidence in full, just maybe we might finally be able to lay the matter to rest. Suicide is the term for faking one's death. It's also the name of the Spotify exclusive podcast hosted by Alice Fines and Poppy Damon. The team explores McDermott's upbringing, his relationship with a superstar, and his fatal voyage at sea. They also question those who advance stories about his secret whereabouts, often based on flimsy accounts. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from Suicide, so if you want to remain spoiler-free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes to hear our thumbs-up or thumbs-down reviews. To Laura Bricker... They did a pretty good job of giving an overview of all the different, quote, sightings of Patrick McDermott. Mm-hmm. But um, are you in any way convinced at this point that he is alive after listening to this podcast? No. <laughs> no, I'm not. Because the way that each one of these things played out, it was a lot like what we reviewed in our last episode with the Vatican Girl, where there are a lot of theories thrown out there. There's a lot of sightings. There's a lot of speculation. But in the end, when it's done, you still come away not really feeling like you know what happened. And for me, that was frustrating because I felt like it was set up in a way where I'm like, okay, there's going to be new information. But if you look up anything about this case, you'll see like the Australian media and, and, you know, Kevin, you know this when you were a reporter, like, oh, it's time for the anniversary story once a year. We're going to be like, oh, maybe we found Patrick. McDermott somewhere and we're going to recap the whole case and there's really nothing new. 
I will say, I have a fascination with people that fake their own death. We like, know. I love, oh my God, I love it. I love the people where you can get the fake death certificate in India, but I don't think this is one of those cases. So Toby, I was surprised to see that you, like me, were excited when you heard about the topic of this podcast, because I was too. Do you feel like it delivered on its promise? It did not. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and if you would like me to expand on that. Yeah. You know, I, it seemed like if they had information to give to us about it, it might've been cool because it is like, I mean, Laura was saying, I, I remember when this happened and the idea that maybe he fooled the world and was living somewhere, that seems like there might be some interesting stuff there. But in fact, there was not one point throughout this entire thing where I thought that maybe he was still alive and that that story was wrong. There was nothing convincing about it. And what you end up with was a lot of sort of tangential subjects. Like there was a little bit about the disappearance, but then, you know, you had a lot about tabloid journalism and his background as a adopted Korean who was probably of mixed race when he was back in Korea and like the discrimination he would have had there and ambiguous loss and Olivia Newton-John's fans and so on and so on. But not really a whole, you know, there wasn't a whole lot about whether he had actually like swum to Belize or anything. So did you feel like there was an idea and then after finding out there wasn't a lot of there there, there was a lot of episodes about tangents is that is that what you're trying to say yep yeah i mean i think they they clearly like they spent some money to travel to places and stuff and i think it was finally just like well i guess there's not much of a story here so let's see what we can uh it's like one of those magazine articles that they turn into books but you don't really get anything more interesting than what was in the original magazine article they just kind of like pad it all out i this kind of felt like what this was now, so Kevin, your first note is actually a little bit different from what Laura and Toby are saying, where you feel like this differs from what we talked about in last episode, Vatican Girl, mm-hmm. which was also full of a lot of speculation and looking at a story that maybe doesn't really have an answer. You think this actually takes a more sober look at a story that potentially doesn't have answers. Yeah, because I think one of the things, I don't know if they draw this straight line, but certainly when we get towards you know the middle of the season where we're talking with the private investigator and we're talking with some of the tabloid people, there isn't much really to suggest that he faked his own death. So do you continue on perpetuating that, even in this podcast? Or do you pivot this to, you know, why would people say that the people who you know, have a, a vested interest in keeping the story alive, even if it's a story of, well, somebody said that they saw him and we're going to run a story, we're going to make some money on it. I think that being pretty even-handed about getting up sort of to the, to the point where they go to the fishing vessel, right? They give us the background. I don't know whether or not we needed to hear from some of Olivia Newton-John's fans, but I don't think it really hurt it. They're pretty even-handed about, like, his psyche and about whether he'd be prone to fall or suicidal. But then the sort of like what happens after his disappearance, I thought that that was an interesting take that they uh, that they went on. I'm going to disagree with you on point that you made there. Yeah. I thought hearing from Olivia and John's fans was a highlight for me of this podcast. Okay. I thought hearing from the couple who met like at an Olivia Newton-John concert and then had an Olivia Newton-John themed like house after their Olivia Newton-John themed like wedding like I am a, you know, almost 50 year old person who like saw Greece as a kid and grew up with Olivia Newton-John being a celebrity for most of my life. I think I'm sorry for those of you out there who differ with me of Olivia Newton-John as sort of being like a B-list celebrity who was famous for a time in the 80s and then became like an infomercial type celebrity. And I don't really understand the import she has to people who view her as an icon. And I know there are people who do see her as an icon, the same way people see like, you know, Barbara Streisand or, or I was going to say like, <laughs> where's the crime writers on the right? wedding? You know, but there, like, but there, I'm, I'm waiting. There are, there are certain celebrities that well, are Why don't of, you fake your death, Laura? And we'll right. go talk to one of them. <laughs> so I will say that meeting people for whom Olivia Newton, John, like is their Barbara Streisand or whatever actually did for me. That was a highlight. 
If I go to a dark place, I always try to remember, oh, what would Olivia do? Yeah. How would Olivia feel? I play some Olivia music, and yeah. she has so many great... I mean, <laughs> so there, whether you want to get into a super hyper mode, or you want to be like, okay, let me just contemplate where I'm at. You yeah. can, there's something for you there. The thing that's flawed about that yeah. is Olivia Newton-John is actually not important in this story at all. It's the only reason we know about the story. Right. And that's the only reason she matters. Although I did notice that they used the word devoted a lot. <laughs> and when they did, I just kept hearing hopelessly devoted. Yeah, right? Did you go click? You. Yeah, a little trick of vernacular there. All right, so Kevin, I'm just So now take- is the time to do what we do? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the business section. Toby, the business oh. section. That's what we do right now. Yes. Here we are, Kevin, in that business section. Uh, not what Toby wants to do, but what have we got going on our Patreon right now, Kevin? Well, right now in our Patreon feed, all you got to do is go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You can get the latest uh, after show. This week we took a, a quiz, the past show quiz, where I gave the synopsis of different documentaries and podcasts that we've reviewed over the past eight years. Yes. And challenge the crime writers. Yes. To see if they could remember and name the show that it came from and whether they were thumbs up or thumbs down. Yes. It was a lot of fun. Also, coming up soon, we have the next Leave It to Bricker. And Laura, tell us about what you've been up to. Um, well, the next Leave it to Bricker is about the next stage of Laura Bricker. I'm living in a new place. All right. And you will hear all about how the cats and I came to live in this new place in the next Leave it to Bricker. Wow. That's going to be an interesting breaking news item. It's Now, you can't hear that at the $5 level. You got to go to the $6 <laughs> Brichter scale level to hear that. We might have, to have, yes. we might have, yeah. to have Laura on Married, our next episode of Married with Podcast as well. I think that would be interesting. That's also another podcast you can get. Crossover. Rebecca and I give uh, relationship mm. advice, uh, parenting advice, financial advice, all things we are completely unqualified for. It's but amazing. People still want and sex to advice, hear about it. So unqualified. Oh, goody. Have to, we need more experience. <laughs> That's right. Uh, That's right. Also want to let you know that uh, the latest practice. people are like, practice, people are practice. like men right in. They're like, how can I be sexy for my wife? And Kevin's like, I don't know. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, the way, sometimes when I'm like, I want to watch porn. And we're like, yes. Next question. Um, oh, my God. Uh, OK. And I'm going to tease this. Speaking of watching porn. I'm living in a sitcom right now because there is a man across the way who has alienated many neighbors because he sits on his porch listening to loud porn. Nice. Wow. I think you could fix that. I'm just guessing. If <laughs> on a sea laird. <laughs> on a porch. Some porn. All right. Uh, elsewhere in our feeds, you can hear the latest episode of These Are the Stories, the Law & Order podcast. We're talking about an episode from the Mothership It's called Thin Ice. It's based on the case where a hockey coach gets beaten to death by an angry parent because a kid wasn't getting enough playing time. Yeah. (laughs) And then they try to convict him. Yes. And then, spoiler alert, they do. But it's a funny look at uh, a very classic episode. All right. Hey, can I just make one ask while we're here in the business section? You may ask. That's unscripted. Yeah. So I don't care about uh, podcast reviews insofar as, like, how many, like, good ones or bad ones there are. Uh However... I will note that all of the bad ones are about me and none of you guys. Like they're all, all the bad ones are specifically about me, which is fine. That being said, there's one bad one about me right now that says Rebecca is a C space, U space, N space, <gasps> C space. I saw that. Yeah. I would uh... love it if a few of our listeners right now wouldn't mind if you haven't left review yet, if you could just leave one so that one could just get pushed down a little bit in the feed. <laughs> oh. I would just love that so that isn't like one of the first three reviews that people see when they click on our reviews. I'm with you and I will put out a plug as well because I have one review on Goodreads right now who said that I am an amateur. Great. <laughs> and that was really hurtful. Yeah, so go ahead on Lars Goodreads re- reviews and write least some reviews there to push that one down, but uh, and I also... I got a one-star review on Amazon because the book arrived late. I'm like, that's not my problem. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. So yeah, if if those of you out there wouldn't mind pushing down that Rebecca is a C-space, U-space, N-space, T-space review, wow. you can leave as many or few as stars as you want. It's fine. Yeah. Just... 
push that one down and don't put the C word in it. I would really appreciate it. Yeah, in your own review, call her a Oh. All, right. All right, so Kevin, is that in the business section? No, no, no. We have we oh, have oh, more to do. Oh, that's right, Kevin. Uh, by the way, before we end the business section, do we have any Patreon patron saints the week this week? Our Patreon patron saints are Alan Bolton and Sonia Galloway. Bless you. Bless you, you. Oh my goodness, God! <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for uh, supporting us on Patreon. Thank you in advance for everyone who's going to leave a review and push that C word done down in our feed. I really appreciate it. And thank you for sitting through this very, very, very painful business yeah. session. Or be the first person to call Rebecca a <laughs> on Spotify. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, Whole bunch of reviews just waiting to happen. <laughs> BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. All right, so one thing you did enjoy, Lara, about this podcast is the saga of different private investigators who were brought in to investigate this case. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So, I mean, first we have the investigator that is in, I think, California, who, you know, is the first one in. And then we have the two guys in Texas. And there was like this interplay between them. So the guy in California is quoted in a Daily Beast story about the use of the guy in Texas, Klein, who some may remember from the Texas Monthly podcast that we yeah. listened to about the football kid. Tom Brown's, who, body. Tom Brown's body. Yeah. And so his quote, I just thought it was really funny. I was like, oh, my God, I feel like it, it, it's a reality show. San Antonio, really? Both these guys have offices the size of a mailbox drop. I tip more in one night than these guys make all year. Did you see what Dateline ran about Klein? They just showed a bunch of shots of him down in Mexico eating tacos on Dateline's dollar. No real sign of McDermott. There's a reason the Australian media goes for these guys in Texas of all places. They'll tell them what they want to hear because they're peddling a book or some other goddamn thing. So we have that guy. Then we have the other guy in Texas, P.I. Parker, who was like, hey, when they had that like photo that was in like the National Enquirer or like some like tabloid that they're like, that's him on a beach, but it's like super grainy and like pixelated. And his method of verifying it was like, oh, I did this other case once. So I'm going to measure the distance between the tip of his ears to his neck and compare this with pictures of McDermott. And he's like, and the widow's peak is the same. So it's definitely him. I'm like, oh, that is Super accurate. And it's yeah. not. This white guy is definitely him. Yes. The widow's What do you think of the client appearance? You know, I heard, before, I heard his voice and immediately knew who it was before they introduced him. Because I will never forget this blowhard from Ugh. Tom Brown's body. Because I, I, re, I remember the quote from them, but exactly. He was like, oh, he's talking to some kids like, you don't want to live in my world. You won't meet guys like me often or I pray you don't. And... I went back and I, I found the soundbite that I pulled from that episode and I had labeled it, shut the fuck up, Klein. <laughs> and he ought to shut the fuck up because talk about a guy who's like, I'm just going to talk and talk and I'm going to get a fax. 
a fax from an unnamed Mexican law firm oh. saying the guy's dead in a layoff. And so I just think the guy's piece of doo-doo. Welcome to my world. I do this for a living. You won't meet guys like me very often, or I pray you don't. We live in a very dark world. Worse than, worse than you'd ever dream. We've seen it all. And then the phone rings, and we see one more. Okay, so I do want to talk about an issue around that fax in this podcast. Yeah. Can we talk about the actor they hired to read that fax in this podcast and the voice they choose to use to have that person read that fax? Yes. That was a mistake. That was a mistake, mistake, mistake. Today I write this letter on behalf of Pat McDermott. It is to that end I ask you to stop the search for him immediately. You have attempted to damage his reputation as a man who has done nothing to anyone. What would you say that if Poppy read it? I would just say I would just would have had one of the hosts read the facts. I'm just going ahead and, and leave it there, okay? All right. So one thing that I would like to talk about is the doppelganger situation. <laughs> so we just have established that there is a Canadian guy who spends a bunch of time in a Mexican town who looks just like Patrick McDermott. Established, correct? Yeah. And that this tabloid outlet gets a photo of him and peddles it and says, Patrick McDermott found, right? But in a cliffhanger of this episode, our hosts say, okay, so this doppelganger clearly isn't Patrick McDermott. They spend this entire episode talking about the ecosystem of this tabloid photography company and, and how they probably peddled this photo, et cetera, et cetera. They talk to the Canadian guy. He's wonderful. Very interesting. And they end this cliffhanger on, but what about the credible sightings of the citizens and the newspapers in the same town that say that they saw Patrick McDermott? Did anybody beside me think maybe those fucking people also saw the same Canadian dude who looks just like Patrick McDermott, who's also the yeah. dude from Canada? Anyone besides me think that same thing? No, you didn't. I, for some reason, thought maybe that was the point they were trying to make, but I don't know. No, nope. I don't think they were trying to make that point. I think they were, there was two separate, like, storylines going on there that did not converge. Yeah. But what about the German? What about the German, Rebecca? Yeah. Yeah. But then when they talked to the guy from the Mexican village, he basically said, no, I never did see the guy. I, I read about it in a magazine. No yeah. one actually saw But the they guy. did a good job of pointing out when people said, I saw them, or later say, no, they later said, I heard about it like they picked up on those little details again it was kind of like the thing where people are like yeah you know i know about this and then you talk to them and they don't really know about but it but this is the question i have and i'm not going to ask you because you think they did a good job toby i'm going to ask you isn't this the point where if you were a reporter and you were doing the story your editor would say okay there's nothing there like there's nothing actually there like you, you thought there was something there, but there isn't, right? Yeah, I mean, it seems like a salvage operation to me. It's just like, we kind of put some money into this and we got to get something out of it. So what can you do to kind of make this into a story? And I have sympathy for that. I don't, I don't think the reporters are bad, but the best reporter can't, you know, if there's no story there, what are you supposed to do? But this is my issue with this medium. People are selling stories before the reporting is finished. Right. And they and like they're, they're selling a concept or someone has sold a concept and then they're assigning reporters to it and they're saying it has to be this many episodes. That is problematic because if there's nothing there, th the commitment is made. And in a newsroom, if there's nothing there, the story gets killed and it doesn't fucking happen. Or even if you're making a movie and it doesn't work out, if there's investors there or whatever, the movie gets killed. The deal gets killed. It happens all the time. In podcast world right now, it seems these podcasts are happening. They've committed to eight episodes. This thing has started. It's very clear. Nothing to do. Nothing's happening. And it's like, well, fuck it. We got to do it anyway. Well, so I would agree with you if the premise of this was to prove that he faked his death. Whereas I'm hearing this, and maybe you didn't hear it the same way. I heard it as them going and the facts taking them to where they need to start picking it apart. And more about why is this story being perpetuated? If it's so clear that 
There's nothing there. It's not that they're finding nothing. They're finding evidence of nothing. Yeah. Right. And so I see it that they're trying to disprove it as opposed to not being able to find stuff, not finding the stuff is sort of part of the What's the name the of process. the show, though? Pseudocide. For context, their first season was a bunch of individual episodes about people who fake their death. This is one of the biggest fake their death things that we could do a whole season on this. That's what they attempt to do. But they don't, they're not going into it like, you know, Toby, you're not going and doing strange arrivals to prove there are aliens, right? You're examining other aspects of that phenomenon. And I feel like they are doing or attempting to do the same thing. If you guys disagree with me, that's fine. I think that's what they were dropping and I'm picking it up. I just don't think it's, to me, it wasn't set up clearly like that. I mean, now that you're saying it, Kevin, I can see it and I can definitely see like, oh, okay, that does make sense because they're going through all of these like absurd theories of what happened to him and all of the sightings and all of the tabloid reports and all of that. But I think if there had been more signposting as to just a few like, hey, this is what people think happened. And for X number of years, we keep going back to it. And this is why we are taking another look at it, but we're taking a look at it from both sides. And I think for me, it was frustrating because I felt like they were recapping pretty much just everything that was out there. But again, like with this sort of false sense of promise that we were going to get new information. And to me, there really wasn't any new information. I agree. Um, Every episode ended on a cliffhanger as if something was about to happen. Well, like when they're like, and now you won't believe what happened next. And I listen and I'm like, oh, but it was nothing. I'm like, and I learned that in the first five minutes right. of the next episode. I'm like, no. I do believe that nothing happened. Yeah. I think he just fell off the ship and drowned. And they're like, well, he would never have fallen off the ship. Um, somebody would notice because there's only like 22 people on the ship and like somebody would have noticed if a tuna sandwich went overboard. And I'm like, yeah, but what if they didn't? What if they were all drinking and like whatever? And he just like slipped over and they were all like not paying attention. Or what if he intended like, oh. to jump off, but then failed, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. And and then, then like, oh, yeah, he was owing back child support and he was having financial problems. But then the other people like, oh, but he was so dedicated to his son. He would never do that. And so a lot of it was like things that had already been out there. And I guess had he not been somebody that dated Olivia Newton-John, which somebody already has said, but I'm just going to say it again. I don't think that this case would have received anything remotely resembling the scrutiny that it was getting on such a regular basis for all the years, even though it is interesting. I mean, like I have a local case that I speculate about all the time where a guy went off a sailboat and I think he did not go off the sailboat. I think he is living in England somewhere, but there is something of that fascination. And I think that is the part of the story. I wish they had sort of delved into a little bit more was like the fascination of people that do fake their own death and going back to these cases over and over again, trying to figure it out or people that create a new identity and like leave their life and live this completely new life with a new. So that to me is the interesting part of it. Rehashing everything that you can find online, not necessarily the interesting part of it for me. Can I just get everyone's opinion on the episode about ambiguous loss? There are so many questions arising all the time. And doubts, thoughts, what ifs. You don't have any way of sort of settling within yourself and going through the grief process. That was the last episode. It dealt with the mother, the son disappeared, and the wife whose husband disappeared at sea. And I thought that was pretty powerful. I don't know from what you're thinking, how that came across to you, whether that you thought that was well done or not. So I'm asking the three, what did you think? I don't think it should have been the final episode. It might have, if you had, if it was the third or fourth, it might have like I played think, up what the stakes were. But yeah. I think that making it the final episode made it seem like I'm going to be completely honest with you. If what your feeling is is that this podcast is about debunking this as a truism and making it like this isn't true, and that what makes us uncomfortable is ambiguity, uh, and that's why this is still a story, they should have put that episode way further like they should not have put that episode last to me it sort of made those stories sound like postscripts and like tacked on to make the podcast long enough toby what did you think so 
it kind of seemed like the kind of thing you put in there when you're trying to, like, I, I thought it was good. I thought it was interesting. It seemed like if you had a lot to say about the central case on this, you wouldn't have to have that episode. Like, I, I kind of felt like that was to get us a quality, uh, you know, what was it? The sixth episode or seventh episode or whatever it was. So I think it was the best part of it, certainly. And the stories are tragic, but I didn't. You didn't find it illuminating. Because I was listening to this uh, while I was driving. And at one point I was like, did I miss something? Like, is this a preview for the next season that I'm listening to? Because they go on and on and on without really connecting it back to the original story for, you know, I don't know, like 20 minutes time. or something. Yep. And, and so I started, I was like, what is going on here? And then I took a look. I was like, nope, this is still the thing. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess maybe I made up my mind too much to evaluate it, that this is what they kind of had to do is cobble stuff together. But those stories are awful. Yeah. You know, those are awful situations for those people to be in. Do you know what I, do you know what I felt like they kept trying to do? And I'm not saying that like this wasn't earnest. I do think it was earnest. There were multiple attempts in the podcast to say, but what about the impact to all these people? Like, so the son wouldn't talk to them, right? But he sent them a nice note. The ex-wife didn't want to talk to them. Olivia Newton-John is dead. So they were like, what about the impact to this boat captain or this harbor master whose life was ruined because he lost this passenger? And they tried to find him and they couldn't find him. But his life was ostensibly, they kept trying to like talk about like the ripple effects and the impacts of this story to all these people. But they couldn't actually get any of those people. So then they reached out to these other people with other stories to try to give us those impacts like secondhand. That's how it felt. It's like you, you couldn't get the things for this story. So you're bringing us these other stories that aren't actually anything like there's they're actually nothing like it. Both of these stories is one story of a kid that went missing, but he's definitely missing. And the other story where like the guy was in touch with you and the Coast Guard fucked it up. They're not actually the same. You know what I mean? They're both tragic and they're, they both deserve their own reporting, but they're not the same. Also, by the way, anyone else think that the, uh, the Coast Guard guy's email saying that somebody went down and got the money from his fanny pack to pay for the hot dog was probably closest to the truth? Yeah, like, probably. Yeah, I, I know what he looks that like. Sense. That is probably his fanny pack. Let's just go pay for the hot dog. It always comes down to the hot dog, Rebecca. <laughs> Fucker's not going to skip out on his galley bill. There's nitrites, man. We got to pay for those. Yeah. <laughs> BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Tienes mucho en tus manos, pero con solo mover un dedo puedes dar marcha atrás con Pro Trailer Backup Assist disponible. Presentamos la nueva Ford F-150 2024. Ya sea que estés trabajando al máximo o divirtiéndote al máximo. Esta camioneta te respalda porque está hecha para ser una parte indispensable de tu equipo. Fuerza así de inteligente solo puede ser F-150. Construida con orgullo Ford. Fuerza Ford. All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out Pseudocide Season 2? It's about the disappearance of Patrick McDermott, the ex-boyfriend, Olivia Newton-John, and whether or not he faked his own death and the big story around it. Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for this podcast? 
Um, so, you know, this case, I had not heard about this case going into this. Like, I know Toby had heard about this, so he was curious to see. So for me, I was like, okay, Olivia Newton-John, I think of her immediately with Greece, as everybody else does. That's like my main source of relatability with her. So it was really interesting to hear a little bit about her personal life with McDermott. In this case, I mean, I love cases with people that fake their deaths or people that create a new life and create a new identity. And I find that really fascinating. I think the challenge with this podcast and why I'm going to go thumb sideways on it is they did go down every avenue trying to report the theories in this case, the leads in this case, where things went with this case. But I feel like all these years later, we really don't know what happened. So for me, I found that frustrating because you know, I'm a Virgo. I want a resolution. I want to know what's happening. And I felt like there wasn't that much new to report despite their best efforts to go out. And so much like what we reviewed in our last podcast with the Vatican girl, there are a lot of theories as to what happened, but I don't think anybody really knows. And, And so for me, I found that frustrating and that's no fault of theirs. But as a result, I mean, I think it was a little bit long for a podcast where we didn't really have new information. I mean, there was some new information, but I felt like it could have been about half as long as it was and been really interesting. You know, so it's a thumb sideways. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it, but I thought that it was interesting and the case was interesting. It was just the status of the investigation and where things were going for me was something that to me, just felt too unresolved to be something that I'm giving a thumbs up to at this point. Toby Ball, what do you think? So when I heard what this was about, I thought it was like a really interesting idea. So I I can see why it was attractive to do a podcast about it. My sense is, is that they kind of got into it thinking that they were going to be able to find something interesting, you know, spent a fair amount of time on it, realized that probably what everybody thought had happened had happened. And then we're kind of like, what do we do with this? Um, So you have these sort of interesting diversions into things that are kind of related to the case. And some of them are, are pretty interesting in and of themselves. But as far as actually sort of shining a light on what might've happened to this guy and it could it possibly have not been what it was or given some more insight about that, you know, it just, there isn't much there. And I, my guess is there probably wasn't much to find, like no matter who you were. So um, I guess from a mild thumbs down, I think it's just a bad situation, right? It's a bad situation that there's not stuff to find. I think they ended up with a couple of pretty interesting episodes. The last one, the one about the, um, the tabloid uh, photograph stuff, I thought was pretty interesting. But just as sort of a cohesive whole, I think it kind of suffered from there not being something that was sort of discoverable. So again, it's just a mild thumbs down. I mean, it's there. It's got its high points, uh, but just as a cohesive whole, um, don't think it held together. Kevin Flynn, I'm a thumbs up. I will say, perhaps like the producers of the podcast, I share the same kind of blindness to what some of the listeners like you guys would have a certain expectation for what this podcast investigation would be. And so if you're still waiting for them to turn up uh, this guy hiding in a Mexican shack someplace, I think that you would be really disappointed. I think the, the ambiguity is the point. I think that they went into it sort of with no opinion and kind of went forward and, were led to where they were led. I thought that it was pretty good. They've got a good rapport with one another. I think that they, you know, talked to a lot of different people, turned up a lot of different ideas. Plus anybody who like even very in a polite British way called bullshit on that fucking Texas private eye douchebag. <laughs> I think, I don't think this stuff's the world. I don't think it checks out. I will say that, you know, they deserve a uh, a thumbs up. I understand why everybody else is reticent, um, but I think that going into it, I had a different vision of where this was going, and so that's why I was satisfied with it. Um, 
I am giving this podcast a well-intentioned thumbs down. I, I think this was done with the intention of making something good and interesting. However, I don't think there was enough there to fulfill the promise of the project. And as a result, I hear that there was not enough there to fulfill the promise of the project. And yeah, I mean, that's all I have to say about it. I also think there were a couple of editing choices that I really disagree with that I mentioned during the review part of the podcast. And it just felt very stretched to me. And if the intention was to question the ambiguity and to talk about why this was a story and perhaps why it shouldn't have been a story, that should have been the stated intention rather than to present it as a mystery that potentially could have been solved. So I'm just going to leave it there. I really like the production company here. I really like the reporters. I'd love to hear what they do next. But this was not the one for me. So thumbs down for me in a well-intentioned way. All right, that's going to do it for us. But before we go, Lara Bricker, do we have a cat of the week this week? The cat of the week this week is a dog. Woof. And it is a dog that is joining the Crime Writers On family in the house of one Toby Ball. His name is Romeo. Yes. He's a black, it's like a German Shepherd breed, but it's a special German no, Shepherd it's not, breed. It's a, tell- it's a Belgian Shepherd. Yes. Mm. So tell us about the dog, Toby. Well, it's its full name is Mr. Romeo Frumble. Did you guys it's got listen a full to, name? Uh, Mr. Romeo Frumble. <laughs> did you guys listen to, uh, I, did you listen to, did you read uh, Richard Scary books when you were growing up? Of course yeah. I did. Yes, I loved Richard Scary. So I, I wanted it to name him uh, Richard Scary's Busy World, like the French detective is Sneef. Sneef the French detective. Oh, fantastic. But uh, she wasn't down for that. So we were going through <laughs> other Richard Scary names and uh, Mr. Frumble, she was pretty into, but she mostly wanted to name it Romeo. So it's. Mr. Romeo Frumble. Your dog and, is gonna uh, look badass. I'm looking at pictures of grown-up Belgian Shepherds. But this is this is mostly this is Sadie's dog. Yeah, it's Sadie's dog. No, 100 mm-hmm. percent It is absolutely not my dog. Um, yeah, we just got it today. It's a Belgian. It's uh there's three different kind of Belgians, and it's one of the three. Okay. Mm. And you got it from the Ossipi Tamworth area, yep. which is the area that was also highlighted in a podcast we listened to from NHPR, the four episode podcast uh, about the people who got out of jail. Yes. What was that podcast called, Rebecca? Supervision. Yes. Supervision was centered in the Ossipi Tamworth area. We, we actually ran into uh, somebody who had a dog from the same litter. When we were oh. in Portsmouth during the Halloween oh. parade, we just ran. Was, Deborah was like, oh, that's a Belgian. So we went up and it, we found out that they were from the same litter. You're going to have a regal as fuck looking dog. Toby, I can't wait yeah. to you become a dog person. and want to talk about your dog all the time. Oh, we're going to have Jesus so much Christ. in common. We're going to become even better friends, Toby. Yeah, all we right. can talk about our dog stuff. So Laura Bricker. This dog will never be a killer like uh, Littlefoot. I have so no. many. Toby, I have so many tips. I've trained so many dogs. I have so many tips. And by the way. We have a listener who's an expert dog trainer who helped me a lot with Briscoe. She's awesome, yeah. I will hook you up. All right, Laura Bricker, if folks want to reach out to you and submit their animals to be Cat of the Week, of course, we take any kind of animal, and they can email us at crimewritersona at gmail.com. But if they want to tweet to you, how can they find you there? They can find me at Laura Bricker, and I await the report from Romeo getting the pickleball balls from Toby's neighbors. So do I. Toby Ball folks want to reach out to you and say congratulations on becoming a dog person finally, because you will. How can they reach you on Twitter, Toby Ball? At Toby Ball on H. Kevin Flynn, how can you be reached? I can't wait for the first time the FedEx guy comes to Toby's door. Oh, uh, and the UPS guy. Yeah, the mailman. <laughs> All of them. You're going to be Amazon. so well protected. He doesn't bark. Oh, he will. As far as I can You've tell. You've had him for 20 fucking minutes, Toby. <laughs> yeah, well. Jeez. You're, you're lucky. Yeah, so far, yeah. so good. I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Reb Lavoy. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On. And please join our incredible community and our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. Everyone there is rad, except for the person I might kick out this week. I haven't yet decided. We also have a regular old Facebook page. Just go there, hit join the group, answer a couple of questions, and we'll let you in as long as you're nice. So 
support the show at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You get the crime writers on after show married with podcast, Laura Bricker's leave it to Bricker podcast and Toby balls, deep dive book club podcasts and Bill Rankin's rumpus room. Right. Kevin Flynn. Hi. <laughs> this is my rumpus room. Want to play some foosball? Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the incredible Olivia Burdett. That's a poster of the St. Pauli girl. The Olivia. <laughs> 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 the executive producer of this program is Kevin P. Flynn. This show, <laughs> this show was recorded in the Oval Loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Louis, Mississippi Louis. Studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement where we look deep into each other's eyes and sing hopelessly devoted to you. On behalf Ooh. of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later. You know, it's so funny that you saw it, Toby, because the only reason I saw it was because we were in our, like, obsessed fest chat thing, and we made a joke about the fact that buys reviews, and I was like, oh, yeah, I paid $50 for this one, and I put up, then I looked at my reviews, and I was like, Rebecca LaFoy is well, I, star. Like, I literally looked for something to say, like, oh, yeah, I paid 50 bucks for this one. And I hadn't actually looked at our reviews for, like, two years, and that was the first fucking one up there. Oh, uh, God, I, like, I haven't looked. Awesome. Yeah. Don't. We're the critics. We're oh, the critics. Fuck them. We're no. the critics. Another one is I'm a liberal who, like, fuck it into I'm like, I am the worst. Or and- you, you call everybody a racist. Yes. And by the way, Toby is actually the fucking one who calls everybody a racist. But I, I get all the heat. You are way more liberal than me, but I get all the heat for it. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, before we end the business section, do we have any Patreon patron saints of the week this week who may be our heroes who push down that Rebecca is a See You Next Tuesday review? No, we don't, you <laughs> um. In England, that's just like saying fuck. So I yeah, take, oh, it's, it just, like, it's yeah. just like saying jerk. And, and we don't think bloody means anything. By the so, way, yeah. oh, I, I've been using the like, adjective for like years. Uh-huh. And by the way, I'm beeping out all of our uses of it uh, here. Uh, but like, great. I use that word all the fucking time. And people <laughs> in my life so- so shocked because hey, we should do a round. Let's do a round. Kevin starts. Cut. I go and Toby go. Toby, your turn. <laughs> Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.